Blog Talk Radio. Nine seven. All right. And um, we also have the uh, Mays Sandwich Shop email inbox. You can email us at jomaysandjraf at gmail.com. Again, that's jomaysandjraf at gmail.com. If not, and you're more up into the social media, Facebook and Twitter, we have those up during the show as well. You can like our fan page on facebook.com. Look for Joe Mays and JRAF show. And on Twitter, at jomaysandjraf. Okay, the main event, the one and only Super Bowl, we're up to that. But before we dive into the talk about the controversy and the Super Bowl matchup, I actually do have an email um, from Rich M. in uh, East Bridgewater, Massachusetts, which uh, if you've watched the show or have been listening at all over the last few years, you know that Rich from Massachusetts is my uncle, <laughs> who is a huge, huge Patriots fan. My yeah. entire family up there is. And he actually gave us a week ago um, when we didn't have a show, he had an email all ready for us, um, which I'm going to um, read for you here now. And uh, then Zach and I will get an opportunity to maybe um, comment on what he says. Um, but actually, having already read over it, most of the stuff what, that he talks about is stuff we were going to talk about anyways. Um, but the did email... Get, did he get over the snow up there? Oh, yeah. Yes, they okay. got 33 okay. inches. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so All right. They're so still shoveling. Yeah, out. they're still shoveling with more <laughs> on the way. Uh, but okay. So this one comes from Rich in Massachusetts. It's titled Deflategate. Um, and he says, Joey and Justin... I'm sure that you wish you had a show this week after the things that are happening this week. Coming off a very high on Sunday night became an oh no on Monday morning. I started thinking about just more crap to put on my Patriots, and now not only will I have to listen to Spygate, now comes Deflategate. And I know whatever comes out of this, nobody outside of New England will believe that we didn't cheat. This is like what I hear up here about Joe Paterno. For all the good he did for his students in the school, he's still thought as a bad person. And I actually have comments on that in our outline. So it's a really good opportunity to address these things. Um, this Saturday night and as of today, both Belichick and Brady have said they did nothing wrong. I believe Belichick, when he said he doesn't know anything about the pressure of the football and the exact process before the game, he was a lineman in college and all he wants is for his quarterback to throw it, his wide receivers tight ends and sometimes tackles to catch it and his running back to hold on to it. Brady picks out his footballs for review and doesn't see them until game time. I also believe him when he says he is so focused on the game, he uses whatever football is put in front of him. That is also the way Belichick runs his practices, changing up the footballs. I know this won't change either of your minds, but I wanted to give you my thoughts. So on to the game. So here, Rich is going to break down the, the, um, the uh, Super Bowl here for us. I really wanted the Packers to win, and they should have. I completely agree with him on that. Yeah. Can't believe how many things went wrong for them to lose that game. One reason I wanted the Packers was the only Super Bowl I went to was the 96 game uh, in New Orleans, and we lost to the Packers. I, I do remember that game. Mm -hmm. From your last show, I know you both are rooting for, and you definitely know who I'm rooting for. I wouldn't be so fast there, Rich. So how about a little bet? If the Patriots win, you guys have to wear a Patriots Super Bowl winning shirt on one of your shows. I will supply the shirts because I know you don't want to keep them. <laughs> I, I'm completely okay with that because anytime someone wants to give me something for free, I'm all about that. <laughs> uh, if you win, I'll wear whatever you want on the next show that I'm invited on. As long as it's not a Speedo or anything like that, <laughs> that would be too embarrassing for all of us. Maybe a Dolphins or Ravens shirt. I still root for the Eagles a little. So now on to the Super Bowl and go Patriots. Rich from Massachusetts. So um, that's his take. I'm sure that's a lot of Patriots fans' takes. I got sent by him and also a, another um, friend up in New England a video. I don't know if you saw it mounting around. It was kind of a sarcastic approach of this is what all the Patriots are thinking. I think it was on 
um, like Bleacher Report or somewhere. Mm-hmm. It was basically just a stereotypical New England guy that yeah. walks up in front of, you know, like the backdrop, the Patriots backdrop, and just addresses the situation. Right. It was a funny video, and I commented on it on Facebook um, from, from both people that sent it to me. Um, but that's his take on Deflategate and the Super Bowl. He obviously wants the Patriots win. Didn't seem like there was much of a prediction there, but I think he's excited uh, to be involved with the, the Super Bowl again for the first time, I guess, in, what, four years. Um, but obviously, Super Bowl is uh, not a rare place for New England to be. Uh, so that's the email we got on to the first topic. I think we'll go over the controversy first. Okay. And try to, we'll kind of plow through that and maybe get that out of the way. Um, may, maybe it'll take us a little longer to discuss it, depending on, uh, you know, if we're in agreement or if there's something we want to flesh out a little bit. But so it's been coined Deflategate because everything has to be gate nowadays. I know it, I guess it stems funny, from, from yeah. Watergate, you know, yeah. back in what the seventies yeah. or whatever yeah. with Nixon, but anything that happens, everyone tries to find something that'll rhyme with, or they can attach gate to. And Rich said Spygate from 2007. <laughs> now they got Deflategate eight years later, seven, eight years later. Uh, but the beginning of that, this all started uh, pretty much, well, it happened during the Colts game in the AFC Championship um, up in New England uh, from, what, two weeks ago. And it's just kind of accelerated, snowballed. Since then, uh, Bob Kravitz of WTHR in Indianapolis is the one that broke the story. And he actually commented recently that he's getting, like, hate mail and, like, <laughs> like the venom coming from New yeah. Englanders is, like, ridiculous. He didn't really have any will, will against him. He said it shows how much passion because – He's ripped, well, not ripped. He's broke stories about other clubs and no, he doesn't get anything. But he just kind of shows you that he thinks that New Englanders have a lot yeah. of passion. Um, I'm sure he wouldn't like to be getting the hate mail and hate. He says his voicemail filled up with uh, people yelling at him. Um, but he broke the story saying that the um, the Patriots balls were confiscated uh, at halftime because the Colts reported they right. thought that. And there was a delay before the second right, half. Right, exactly. You and the referees were actually uh, swapping out the balls. Patriots were just kind of standing around for like an extra minute or two before the second half started when that was addressed, I guess. Yeah, and I don't think um, – I wasn't watching that one live. We were actually doing our show. Okay. Um, so I don't know if – I don't think the booth said anything about it because none of this broke to after no. the game. Right. And uh, from what I had heard was that DeQuell Jackson, the, the intercepting uh, – uh, noticed that the ball was somewhat deflated, but then he actually went out and said, I never said anything. I I wanted to actually keep the ball myself as a souvenir of the interception. So um, really it was the officials themselves. Well, yeah, it was, it was a weird kind of, you know, train or or series of events that happened. It stemmed from something with Jackson, whether he thought it or not, he wanted to keep the ball. He handed it to someone. I don't know if it was one of the officials, if it was a ball boy or whatever, but, something happened that it went up the ladder of um, the organization. It went from like, you know, from Jackson to the ball boy or low level official up to, I think, Grigson and the Colts general manager who talked to someone from the NFL who then went to like the NFL office in New York. It just kind of kept going up the ladder and it came back to um, Gillette and said, Hey, before halftime, we got to address this, take those balls, use new balls, check how everything goes. Um, Because the Colts are using their own football. Correct. Patriots using their own football, yes. so it was actually a Patriots ball yes. that he intercepted, which is what was sent to their equipment manager. The way it works is the home team has 12 balls, the away team has 12 balls. They use their own balls, and those are separate from kicking balls. Those mm-hmm. are completely right. different. Okay. And then okay. the home team actually has 12 backup balls. Um, so, yeah, the, the anytime that Tom Brady is throwing a pass, he's using a ball, except for the Super Bowl, that's brought by the Patriots organization. 
And don't they actually use those the week before? Like, like three of them or something? Yeah. He's allowed to use them in practice. Right. He, you know, he can just kind of get, get used to them. They're, they're usually new balls every week, every other week, depending on the quarterback's preference. Yeah. And that's what this all comes back to, the preference of the quarterback. And they're confiscated by the officials, I think, like around 90 minutes, two hours before kickoff to be tested. But then there's like, what happens with them then? And then, of course, this week there was video that someone – had taken the balls into the bathroom away from yeah. the video cameras for what, 90 seconds. Then we had all this stuff going on. Could you deflate footballs in that amount of time? Cause that's all this comes back to. I believe the proper inflation for an NFL football is between 12 and a half and 13 and a half PSI. Mm-hmm. These were, I think they 11 said and 11 and a half yeah. or so, right. but apparently they didn't write down when they tested them, what they were all at. So that's, if you're a giant corporation like the NFL, you have to keep track of everything. And sure. to not have all those values is just kind of mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. But we also saw Goodell in the NFL office destroy the Spygate stuff after right. viewing it, not right. letting anyone else see it. So there's always this kind of shady area when it comes to these crises around the NFL, at least in terms of uh, competitive advantage or disadvantage on the field. Of course, Belichick and Brady are the main focus in this, but they both deny you know, any actions or commands to change you know, Belichick said he didn't really have much information about it at all. He didn't know what happened to the balls. Um, he kind of passed it off to his quarterback. I don't want to say he threw him under the bus, but he kind of was like, that's Tom's deal, right? essentially. Um, and, of course, Brady says, I did not tell anyone to do that. Um, I guess what it all comes down to is, is there they've lost their – ability to have a benefit of the doubt because of what happened right exactly the integrity is a big thing the public perception is incredibly Mm -hmm. dark after spygate in 2007 um which for those of you unfamiliar i know you all oh they tape signals well his teams were taping signals since 2000 Mm -hmm. so eight season well seven plus a game or two or whatever it was he thought he was operating within the rules that's what he says um, and then, you know, he got the uh, the book thrown at him. He got the highest fine you can get. The organization got a fine. They lost the draft pick, blah, blah, blah. Um, so and what's your opinion on it? Do you believe Belichick, Brady, the organization? What's your, what, what's your take on the situation? Well, let me just address Rich and saying that, believe it or not, I am a Patriots <laughs> fan. Um, I'm a diehard Eagles fan, so it will always be the Eagles. But my AFC team is the Patriots, and it's really for Brady and Belichick. I I just like Brady being a late round draft pick and I just love, you know, what he's done over his career and Belichick as a coach. So when I listened to Belichick, my only, my only bit of disbelief was Belichick is he's such a task manager. He knows everything what he's doing. He even went in depth saying that he scuffs the balls on purpose and does things like that in practice to give them the hardest possible situation so that when they face something in a game, they're going to be able to overcome everything. So when I hear that, it just I, – I the only thing is about, you know, him not knowing how Brady prefers a football. But but then he came out and he actually clarified that, you know, he came and had a second follow-up press conference with everybody where he went more in-depth about – That the, one the, was really weird. Did the you PSI. watch that one? Yeah, I did. I did. And it was more about, you know, the PSI and everything and, and, and getting all their ducks in a row now. When I watched Brady, though, the interesting thing he said was, I like the footballs at 12 and a half PSI, which is the lowest possible right. amount. And, you know, it kind of makes sense when you think about it because you want a better grip on the ball when you're playing in conditions like they are in New England. You know, maybe you want you don't want a hard slick ball necessarily, but 
Um, I, I just, I do believe Brady. He just didn't come off that great in the press conference, you know, but, and now he's really taken it like he's actually been hurt by this whole thing and that people are yeah. uh, accusing him. So, you know, in terms of where do I stand, um, I, I think they, I just find it hard to believe that a ball boy would act on his own accord in doing that. I mean, I know you guys are going to talk about the scientific aspect. I was going to leave that to you and Justin about the scientific aspect of the football's deflating, just like a tire, you know, in this 17 degree weather here, you know, we're not where Justin is right now. So in this 17 degree <laughs> weather here, you know, like your tire, for example, can get low on pressure. So it is possible for that to happen, but I think it was like 51 degrees at game time. Yes. In that New is England. the recorded temperature. Uh, my only thing is, and Joe, you, you pulled up all these stats about the Patriots in 2000, 2006 and what their record was in 2007 and 2014 over that course of time, Brady's thrown a bunch. He's thrown interceptions. He's fumbled. Other teams have recovered the ball. This has never been a, a case or a problem before that. So I just find it hard to believe. I think this is overshadowing that the Patriots just flat out dismantled the Colts and the Patriots really are a good team and had made great strides this year. And we should really just be focusing on the Super Bowl. And because of the way it was handled, I just think if it was dealt with immediately, maybe this would have gone away by now, but it, it hasn't. So. Yeah, it, it, this is a tough one to me because while some people think it might have more effect on the outcome of the game because, oh, well, if, you know, the quarterback is a new ball, he can handle more properly. You know, what right. about that fumble my quarterback had? Would that have happened if he could have held onto the ball? Or would my receiver not have yeah, dropped that? Both ways. Like, I understand that. But for me, there was just something over the last two weeks as we heard about this all the time. I just kept thinking back to Spygate, and I, I honestly couldn't pinpoint why I felt Spygate was worse. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's because we knew it went on for six-plus right. years, and maybe it's because you know they say other people were doing it. Now, obviously, the NFL never said that. No other teams are going to come out and say that. But if just them, just they were doing it, then they had a huge advantage over everyone else Knowing teams' defensive signals, you could know substitutions, you could know I play agree. calls. I agree it's a you. huge thing. Um, now, some people will say it's not that big a deal. Detractors like Justin, now, I don't. I think he's kind of doing it with tongue in cheek when he's always saying, "Since Spygate, they haven't won a Super Bowl." You yeah. know, he always has that in his back pocket, and he's pretty bitter. And I'm sure you are too. Mm -hmm. You know, you're a huge Eagles fan. I know. And like you just said, the Patriots would be your AFC, te AFC team. They met in I a know. Super Bowl that could have been impacted by yeah. Spygate. I think that. You know, I think that still bothers Justin a lot. Um, but that, you know, it's something you'll never know. I know. But, I mean, you alluded to these stats, and I pulled these up just out of curiosity, thinking, you know, did Spygate give them leverage? Were they doing this for a reason? Like, did it help them? You know, you look at it, they essentially were taping teams for seven seasons, 2000 through 2006, and basically one and a half games in 07. But I'll include that in the next part. In those first seven seasons with Belichick, they were 75 and 37. That's not bad. That's an average of about sure. 11 and 5 a year, 67% uh, winning percentage. They won five division titles, three uh, AFC titles, and three Super Bowl titles. Mm -hmm. That's big. Wow, that's great. Then you look at their next eight seasons. So it's a pretty much the same sample size, this, the, including sure. this season, goes up a little bit. They were 128. Yeah. <laughs> in the last eight seasons after Spygate when they're not allowed to be doing that. And I take them at their word that they're not doing that. Cause I sure. think you have to be pretty, pretty arrogant. I mean, I think they're an arrogant they club to they, begin they, they with starting yeah. with the coach, but I don't think they're arrogant enough to th keep doing the same thing. Maybe like the footballs, they're doing something yeah. different that we can argue, but I don't think they're still taping and they're 128, which is an average of 13 and three 
a 78% win percentage, seven division titles, same three AFC titles, but the biggest one, and this is the one that Justin always says, like I just mentioned, they do not have a Super Bowl title in that time. Um, now, obviously, one is pending um, with the third AFC title just coming this year. Well, the they one could with the David Tyree play also, Correct. Right? Yeah. Both of them were versus the Giants. Right. Both right. of them they easily could have won. Exactly. Uh, every single Super Bowl that Belichick and Brady have been a part of, you know, this is their sixth one, which I think is a record for head, head coach and maybe head coach quarterback combination, that um, every single game I think has been decided by four points or less. So now, and, and now a lot of people will say, well, they won the first three because of Spygate. They couldn't pull that out in the end, the, the last two, and maybe this one because they didn't have, you know, that's, I, I don't, I, I don't think that's, it. I don't buy I really it either. Don't. Looking at the stats tells me that, honestly, they're better now than they were when they were taping defensive signals. So, you I know, it, it kind of comes down to the part where, and, and Roger Goodell just mentioned this the other day, and I have a note here. Um, he basically said, just to sum it up, breaking the rules earns punishment. It doesn't matter how much effect on the field it has. We have rules for a reason to make the playing field even for all 32 of our clubs. If you break them, whether or not it really helped you on the field a lot or a little, you're going to be punished. Right. And that's what happened with Spygate. And I expect that's what's going to happen with Deflategate because I don't know if they'll ever prove Brady, Belichick, McDaniels, you know, someone else. Yeah, there's I, not a smoking gun that you can actually right. find some type of hard evidence. There's not an email or anything like that that you can find. They mentioned that they don't, this isn't, they're not going to operate like a criminal court where you have to have beyond reasonable doubt. Mm -hmm. They're going to operate like civil court where basically if we find enough that we think this could happen, we're going to get you. Yeah. I think they already have that. So I, I do believe they're going to be punished in some way. I don't know if it'll be as severe as Spygate. Maybe it will be because it's their second time offender. You know, and after a couple of years ago, we had the bounty gate with the mm -hmm. Saints. Sure. You know, now this is the third time that some major league thing has happened with the NFL. Patriots were in two of those three things. So I don't know what to expect. I said if it was found that it came from Belichick or Brady or both, and there was this huge cover up and this has been going on for a while. I honestly thought if the investigation was quick enough that they would suspend Belichick for the Super Bowl. Yeah, which is why I don't think he would have. I don't think he would have admitted before the Super Bowl <laughs> because he knew that he would not. Be, he would be suspended for that game, and so would Brady. So uh, I don't think they're going to take a Super Bowl away from them if they come out and say this after the fact, um, because you know for sure that during the Super Bowl, this is going to be a topic of conversation on the broadcast, and they're probably even going to show you the footballs before the game. My my only thing about it is. Look, if you want to take all of that out, then you don't allow the teams to have their individual ball boys picked. I guess like the Patriots, for example, somebody who knows Robert Kraft, their son is the Patriots ball boy. So if you want to take all that stuff out and you want to take any foul play out, why don't you just have NFL officials look over the balls? But why they leave the balls unattended for two hours and 15 minutes before the game time? I, I don't understand that at all. So I, I think the NFL – when they go back in the offseason and look how to address this, I think there's a couple things they need to address, but I think this could have been avoided because of the NFL. I don't think they did enough, and if they're worried about the integrity of the game, there's some things they need to do to clean this up on their end as well. They should treat the balls like they are for the Super Bowl, right. essentially every game if this is right. that big a deal. Uh, I completely agree with you. I, I'm not going to put all the blame on the Patriots. You know, yeah. maybe they're Like I said, they have this perception and attitude that they're always towing the line between legal and illegal. They're pushing the, that envelope that's there. You know, they, they, they break the rules, and it's just that arrogance. There's an arrogance right. to them. 
I mean, I don't want to say they've earned the arrogance, but they know they're the top dog. Mm-hmm. It's just, it seems that they always try to get a little bit of an edge when I don't think they need it. That's yeah. the problem. I don't know that they need to be doing any of this. Now, I agree. I did get a text from, from Rich. Okay. Um, he says that he thinks the rule to not be taping other opponents was only implemented at the end of 2006. That I don't know. I'm I not I don't sure. know that either. We, do, yeah. we know Belichick was doing it from the time he started as Patriots right. coach. Now, whether it was legal by the league or they didn't send out a thing, you know, saying it was illegal, yeah. it, that even might be, he might be alluding to the fact that there was rumors that the NFL heard this was happening and they sent out a thing at the end of 06 saying, hey, don't do this. Sure. But then the Patriots continued to do that. You know, I don't know exactly, was it a rule the whole time and they weren't really enforcing it, all that. But I just wanted to point it out because Rich sent, sent a text in about that. Um, I guess the last thing I want to point out um, before we move on to the actual sure. Super Bowl um, is a little bit from three weeks ago when the Patriots played the Ravens. There's been talk mm-hmm. about how they feel like they, the some people think the Patriots were cheating by using these illegal legal formations with um, saying who is eligible right. and you know whatnot. I don't know what your take is on this, and I wanted to clip what I said in episode six one sixty about it. I just ran out of time, but I think this is a complete load of BS by people. I think it's you know, sour grapes from maybe Ravens fans or Patriots haters. They're, they didn't break the rules no. at all. They didn't do anything wrong. It would have been a penalty in the game if, exactly. it, if, it, was, if I mean, it was an eligible man downfield. No, the officials were talking to Harbaugh about it. It's up to him, his coaches, and his players to know these rules. Credit to Belichick. Exactly. You know, and, and I sit here, I try to think I'm when it comes to this, I don't want to be biased in favor for one or another team, but when I'm a Dolphins fan, it's the Patriots. Yeah. I feel I like, know. you know, I'm going to favor my team, sure. but I think when my team's not involved, even if it's a team with the Patriots that always gives my team trouble for the last 15 years, <laughs> I think I can look at it and say, I'm with new England on this one. That, this is complete crap from people. You know, if it's, whether it's writers, whether it's fans, anyone ripping on the Patriots or, assuming that they're, you know, doing something illegal because of this deception or the wide receiver eligibility issues, that is just completely absurd to me because, and I address this in 160 with Justin, we teach my middle school football players of who is and isn't eligible based on formations and things like that. That's something you've been learning for literally, literally 20 to 25 years when you're in the league. Yeah. So I just I, I, well, know, I didn't know what, if you had a, a take on that or not, but you said you kind of agree. So. Um, I, I was – I was over at PJ Wheelhands, my family, just kind of watching the game, and I'm I'm watching this, and I'm, you know, it's it. Belichick's not getting enough credit for this because you know this is something that they probably implemented obviously before the game, the 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 play pass to Edelman where Edelman broke and and you know threw a pass, you know this is just great coaching. Even when you look at the the game last week with Seattle, um, Seattle ran the fake was it a field goal or extra point yeah. that they ran for a touchdown yep. and Gillum caught the touchdown. Uh, these are just gutsy calls by coaches, but they're well thought out. That was put into the game plan before that. And if Belichick puts that and spends time in the game plan, he knows this could help us out at some point in the game. And the Ravens were playing well up to a point, but that really, you know, utilizing those different formations really exploited the Ravens defense. And you got Harbaugh flipping out on the sidelines, throwing things coming out in the field. And then he got a personal foul. Yeah, yeah, I know. And it's just, it, it's great coaching. And again, that's why, again, I'm an Eagles fan, but I, I give credit to Belichick for, you know, coming up with this stuff and, and they don't always have the high marquee franchise elite free agents that they sign, but they sign guys that fit into a system. And I think it's, 
it's more of a system based than what you have there, and that's why they're so successful. Yeah. It's second to none, the program. And mm -hmm. you know, it pains me to say that, but it's the truth. Like six Super Bowls in what fifteen seasons or whatever it is, you know, it's just they have a system. You know, whether it's Belichick, the front office, if it's if it's the owner Kraft, they have something that's working for them. Right. And, you know, whether or not I, you can't attribute it all to Spygate, you can't attribute it all to Deflategate, which is ridiculous. They just have these practices, the innovation, the dedication, whatever it is, they found a way to do it. And yeah. they're the dynasty of the 2000s. They've now been doing it well into this decade as well. You know, you could be looking at, depending on how, you know, um, things fall uh, with Belichick and Brady over the next few years, you could look at a run of almost two decades with a team that couldn't possibly make seven plus Super Bowls, you know, they're at six now. Could they make another one in these last few years, the twilight years of, of Brady and, well, and maybe Belichick? Like he said. So yeah, we'll know, see yeah, what happens there. Um, but, yeah, so that's the end of the controversy. Let's get to the real game, the one that's the most important. Super Bowl 49, Super Bowl XLIX is tomorrow evening, 630 from Glendale, Arizona. Um, I think University of Phoenix Stadium. Yep. The teams have been there now for almost a week. I think they got there Monday, Tuesday-ish. They've gone through all the juggernaut that is the media and all that crap. We have the NFL honors tonight where we'll find out who the players of the year and the Hall of Fame class, which is always interesting. There's always people snubbed there. But um, the game itself is almost here, you know, just a little bit over a day away. Seahawks-Patriots, possibly, depending on, you know, what your opinion was entering the year, maybe the favorites to play in this game, and mm -hmm. here they are. Entering the playoffs, probably the favorites to play in the game, sure. both being the one seeds. Uh, where do you want to start? Do you want to you want to look at at one side of the ball? You want to look at one team first? You want to look at how they got here? Um, yeah, let's um, let's let's break it down by teams if we could. Um, I'll start with Seattle. All you right. know, I I had kind of got Joey's notes on what we were trying to look at this week, and I had seen Seattle up close and personal this year because they beat the Eagles. Um, but uh, just some things that I was looking at at Seattle. And I thought for sure Green Bay was going to win that game. I mean, I even sent my buddy Kurt Barenshausen a text, you know, saying, I guess I'm not coming over for the Super Bowl this year because you're going to be <laughs> watching the Packers. And then they went and, and lost. But, you know, how do these teams get here year after year? You know, the Seahawks were kind of fodder for the NFL for probably 20 years or so. And now they're really starting to build a, a perennial powerhouse. And what I did was I just, I just took a look back um, at some of their draft classes since 2010 and I think, you know, Pete Carroll should get a lot of credit, the general, man, you know, and, and all the management staff for picking these players. But just just listen to some of these names that I rattle off here for you. In the 2010 draft, now, obviously, teams that are going to be successful can't really miss on their first-round picks. So they drafted with the sixth pick, Russell Okong, who's a tackle. Um, he's now a pro bowler. Their 14th pick was Earl Thomas, who, again, the Eagles, Wanted, I thought, were going to draft and didn't yeah. draft. They drafted Jaquan Jarrett from Temple instead. Look uh, how that worked out. He's not even with the team. Their 60th pick in the second round was Golden Tate, who had a great year this year, even though not with them, but with uh, Detroit. Detroit. And in the fourth round, the 133rd pick, you get Cam Chancellor, who you know is obviously a pro bowler today. Uh, had a huge pick six in the Carolina game. Uh, in the playoffs this year. So that's just their 2010 draft class. Just really quick, 2011, fifth round, 154th pick, Richard Sherman. Sherman. Um, seventh round pick, Malcolm Smith, who was the MVP of the Super Bowl. Right. Where he had a pick six on Peyton, and he also had a fumble recovery. So, And then 2012, 47th pick, Bobby Wagner, 75th pick, Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. 
So these are guys that they've drafted. You know, these aren't just the upper echelon guys that you have a you know, 70, 80% chance of hitting on. These are the guys way down in the drafts, you know, the diamond in the rough, so to speak, that really sets a franchise up where if you don't draft well, you know, kind of like, you know, just from my experience with the Eagles, you know, they are really lacking in secondary help. And some of the guys that they've drafted over the last couple of years just haven't panned out. So hitting and missing on those, I think, is something that's really vaunted. A lot of these guys were defensive guys that have helped out Seattle's defense. Yeah. Um, so just coming from their, purely a draft perspective, the Seahawks have done a great job really over the last five years drafting guys that have set them up to these back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. Yeah, it, it's funny if you look at it. Now, I don't have the info on, on the Patriots draft, but they mm-hmm. had been heralded for a while as being a great drafting team, probably for the first, I'll say eight to ten years with Belichick being in New England, and then it kind of dropped off. But it, the play on the field hasn't dropped off because they found, you know, you said diamonds in the rough. They found him in undrafted free sure. agents. They found him in um, at low level, low tier free agents from other teams. They were able to fill the gaps even when they weren't drafting at their best, at their height. They were able to fill it in. So it's interesting the contrasting styles. Yeah, uh, you know, one was a great drafter for almost a decade. Then things kind of fell apart here and there. They still hit on some picks, sure. but there were more misses than hits, unlike they had the first decade. Right. But they were still filling the guys, getting great stuff out of undrafted guys, and, and just basically the trash of other teams were like, we don't want this anymore. <laughs> and look what they are now, six Super Bowl in, in 15 years. Uh, but, yeah, you, you talk to Seahawks, division champions, number one seed, beat Carolina and Green Bay to make it there. Yeah. Uh, back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. I think that's – is this the first team to do that since Patriots? And I think so, yeah. 3 4 yeah. season, 4 yeah. 5 Super Bowls. Uh, obviously, they beat the Broncos last year 43-8, to and that wasn't even a game. Like, that yeah. – I don't right want that start. to happen. Yeah. I don't want that to happen this year because last year was awful watching that game. He's over in the first quarter. The, the Seahawks bring this swagger and attitude, and almost all of it comes from those guys you mentioned. All those defensive guys that they found yeah. in the last five years, they're the leaders of that team. Because even though the big name like Marshawn Lynch – He's kind of a quirky guy. Really um, quirky. You know, he's an incredible player on the field, but off the field, he's he's interesting to to say uh, politely. Believe it or not, though, his antics have actually got him a lot of uh, sponsorship. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I yeah. Think I think he's going to be all over these commercials. I saw there's one for Progressive with Kenny Maine that he's going to be on. Um, I don't know. I just I just think from him, he he just wants to play. You know, he doesn't need the media days, and he doesn't know oh, yeah. that stuff. He he cares about his family, and that's about it. And I think this is blown out of all proportion because of how accessible we are in the media today oh, yeah. with, with Twitter. and. Oh, yeah, I completely and agree. And we could yeah. have an entire show oh, yeah. about sports media personalities yeah. and interaction and that stuff. But, you know, keeping focus on the game and the Seahawks here, um, just running down the way they performed in the regular season, you, you kind of see why they were here. Um, you look at their offense, it's not too bad. You know, all above average, they were ninth in yards per game. They were 10th in points per game. Struggled a little bit passing the ball. We're down at 27, but then you see, you know, where did they excel? And obviously Marshawn Lynch, um, who's the backup's name now? I know they have Christine Michael, but who's the other guy? Um, Turbin? Robert Turbin, yeah, Robert yep. Turbin. Yeah. You know, those three guys carrying the load, they were Big first guy. in rushing yards per game. They were first in yards per carry. Um, they had the third most rushes of 20 or more yards. They had the, the most rushes of 40 or more yards. Um, but – while the passing yards weren't there, Russell Wilson, who I think he played every snap for them or almost every snap, barring maybe an injury here or there, um, you know, even though he was 27th in passing yards per game at just over 200, he was still the team itself with Russell Wilson 
um, and whoever may have taken a few snaps here and there, their team quarterback rating was eighth in the league. So mm -hmm. he was being efficient, not getting Definitely. the yardage, but do, getting his job done. He's top 10 quarterback, according to great, yeah. quarterback rating. Uh, the, one of the areas they did struggle was, believe it or not, on the offensive line. While they have some high-level picks there, you mentioned Okung mm -hmm. and Carpenter as well. Um, they actually were 21st in sacks allowed. They had some issues protecting Russell Wilson at times, but maybe that can be attributed more to his style. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you there because he tries to make something out of nothing. So maybe some of those, you know, not just a covered sack, but where he should have got rid of the ball, he just thought he could make a play, and then um, and then he ended up taking a sack. I mean, I mean, when you look at this, what what they're doing, I think the Patriots might put a spy on him to just to kind of take the running element away. You know, if they don't value the Seattle receivers enough as, as potential threats, maybe they're going to put Ninkovich or somebody in there to just kind of look and, and be a spy. The Eagles tried to do that with Connor Barwin against him. Worked to limited success. Right. But, you know, Wilson just has the play pass option that I think is an added dimension that the Patriots are going to have to try and deal with. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the spy because that seems the way most teams want to attack right. teams like the Seahawks, 49ers, and to some extent my Dolphins with you know the read option plays yeah. that they have. No one runs it better than Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Uh, but we actually saw a little bit with um, Andrew Luck and the Colts will try to do it from the time to time. And the Patriots played them twice this year. And each time the Patriots had different game plans for Andrew Luck and the Colts offense. And it was a different type of spy each time. So it'll be interesting to see if the Patriots have go to one of the ones they used before, if they come up with a right. third completely different scheme that maybe Seattle hasn't seen in the first, what, 18 games the Patriots have played, uh, 22 if you count the preseason stuff. So, you know, if I'm a betting man, I'm thinking Belichick and his coaches oh, have something else in store that the, that the Seahawks and that offense haven't seen yet. Two weeks to prepare. Oh, absolutely. Something. So they're going to throw a wrinkle in somewhere. But now, you know, we mentioned the Seahawks above average, maybe even top 10 on offense when it all comes down to it, mostly because of rushing. They tend to prefer or they prefer to run to the center or right side. Um, they ran a lot. I think it was like 525 rushes this year. Only 8% of those got negative yardage. So they, they're a pretty strong rushing team. And 16% and of their runs went for 10 or more yards. That's so, insane. you know, that's, that's a pretty high percentage. Uh, I'm not sure how that the rank works out there, but, you know, they're, they're run center, run right teams, and they usually get the job done. Uh, so, you know, their offense actually is nowhere near the most important part of their team, though, because sure. it, it, it ends up being that defense. And all those guys that you mentioned from the draft in the last five years and uh, the free agent acquisitions that they've been able to get in Michael Bennett, Cliff Avril, uh, Tony McDaniel, uh, trying to think of a few of the other guys they've added here and there, but, it's all amounted to being the best defense, I think, three years in a row now. Uh, this year, they were first in yards allowed per game, first in points allowed per game, first in passing yards allowed per game, third in rushing yards allowed per game, second in rushing yards allowed per carry. Um, they were fifth in allowing a team's quarterback rating was all the way down at 80.4. Um, the one place that they weren't the best at is sacking the quarterback, but the pressure was there. Yes. And the the deflected passes and the tips were all there. So you're so not going to see that. In that so yeah, pass, exactly. But... Because actually Michael Bennett and Cliff of real, I have it up here. Let me pull it up. Uh, if you've ever been to a site now, it's a premium site that you pay for, but with my work through draft tech, I have access to it um, called ProFootballFocus.com. They okay. break down every snap of every play and rate players. Um, Avril and Bennett, the Seahawks um, defensive ends 
uh, were ranked, let's see where I have it here, Two? second and 13th wow. this year in the entire league. Now, those are four, three defensive ends, not the same thing as, as a three, four defense, but you know, you have basically two of the top 15 defensive ends on your team. Even if they're not getting the sack numbers, they're doing their job yeah. against the run and forcing Disrupt, pressure. Even if yeah. they're not getting the number that everyone focuses on in sacks. Um, so, yeah, just one one thing I just want to add about the defense really quick. I tried to look at, I was trying to look at uh, by game for Seattle this year, and and I was wondering, you know, how much, you know, how much did Russell Wilson contribute to each game? Well. Believe it or not, I think in nine out of their 16 games, he was the leading passer in the game. So meaning he he had more yards passing than the other team. And I think that's more of a credit, you know, he, he's probably only averaging under 300 yards, obviously. So that's really a credit to their defense. They just really need a game manager on the other side. And if, if he can make some of those throws, the defense is set up to where you don't have to score 30 points a game to win. And I think when you have a team like that, it takes that pressure off of the offense. They can just go out and do their thing because the defense is so stout. Yeah, I get another text from, from Rich here about, um, I think this is a little bit uh, sar- sarcasm. He's asking if spying is a legal uh, NFL practice. <laughs> I assume spying in the terms we're talking about, where you have a, a player, you know, yeah. just lock onto the quarterback, yeah, kind of mean pretty much else, follow right? him everywhere um yeah that's completely legal it's no form of deception or against the rules um the one where you use the video camera that kind of spying that is illegal though but we'll move on to his patriots now because they definitely uh you know they are there aren't a bunch of chumps over there on the other side we mentioned multiple times already six super bowl in 15 years brady and belichick you know i think they're the only ones that ever have gotten to six together um to be starting the same at the same time but they haven't won in basically 10 years um, they're the obviously the East champions, the number one seed in the AFC. Are they after the, all these controversies? They again kind of have this team mentality, yeah. this us against the world, and I, that can only help a team like them. Yeah, uh, this I also want to add. This is the trickiest team to draft any fantasy players from besides <laughs> Gronkowski because and Brady really, if you think about it, because you draft Vereen and then he doesn't, you know, then they have Jonas Gray and they have then they get with Eric Blunt, you know, yeah. and it's like. It's one thing after another, but I, again, I want to go back to I think it's more of their system. You know, you plug in these guys: uh, Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, um, who's the younger, the rookie, the rookie guy, Matthew Slater. Matthew Slater. Is that uh, guy they you do have Slater, okay. but I'm not sure that's who you're thinking of. Okay. Well, I mean, they they have guys that aren't exactly the flashiest on offense, but it's really you know you put the ball in Brady's hands and you, and you let him do it, and, and they've been really successful in that. Um, for throughout the better part of the season. They have a great kicking game as well, good special teams, um, and their offense is really, you know, what it is. It garners kind of all the attention, and their defense really doesn't get any attention, if you, if you think about oh, yeah. it. No one talks about their defense. And that's what a lot of the people that I've been listening to have been harping on, saying the Seahawks are an incredible defense. You know, right. first in all those categories, been that way for two or three years now. The Patriots are no slouch. They, no. they may not excel in one certain area, but they've been getting the job done. Obviously, they were at 12 and 4 in the regular season, and one of those losses, they basically said, it doesn't here, matter. Yeah, here, take it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you look at their stats listed on the page, you can tell, like, they're not first in anything. No. They're not well, last no. in anything. And for the most part, they're not even average or below in anything. They're all in that, t- they're all in the place you want to be, basically mm-hmm. in the top 12, in almost everything across the board. Right. Uh, you know, and there's not one position that you can really point out and say, if we take away this, that ends it, notwithstanding the quarterback, because obviously 
you take away the quarterback, then you don't have sure. anything. But if you try to shut down the running game, they'll beat you with the pass. Mm-hmm. If you try to shut down the passing game, they've won with the running game. Right. They have an underrated offensive line. They were fifth in sacks allowed. Uh, so they have they give Brady enough protection, at least they have during the regular season. And we just said Seahawks haven't been great at sacking the quarterback. Um, so it, it, could that possibly be a point where if Brady gets the time, could that be one of the focal points of the game? If Brady's not sacked, I would yeah. think the Patriots should win. If I Brady agree. is untouched, I, I, I think that's a Patriots win, regardless of what happens in um, Patriots D versus Seahawks O. If the Patriots offense can beat the Seahawks defense because Brady has the time, I think it's a Patriots win. Yes. And, and that'll also put the rest of us hold the flake gate. You know, <laughs> yeah, the Patriots exactly. come out, if the Patriots come out and take care of business here, hopefully this thing will be put to bed. Yeah, one of the things that I thought was interesting was um, these teams, at least the Patriots didn't play too many close games during the season um, because they have a prolific offense and a, and a defense that was able to take advantage of sometimes. But the Seahawks played some closer games than I thought they – I know they struggled at the beginning of the year. So a lot of people expect this to be a close game with the history that, you know, these both teams seem to be evenly matched. Uh, Belichick's all those Super Bowls, we said, have all the within four points. The Seahawks don't usually blow people out of the water. Patriots don't let you don't ever get blown out of sure. the water. If this comes down to special teams, it's a, I think it's a distinct edge for New England. Neither of them have dynamic return games mm-hmm. in punting or kickoff. Right. Um, but this year, at least, Goskowski was better than Hauschka. Yes. Uh, in his consistency and his ability to make the kick um, from 40 and in. Mm-hmm. Um, how, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't word it like that because Hauschka is also that way, but when it gets into the longer distances, Hauschka struggled this yeah, year is what got, I should have said. So edge got to got so, and, and I have it listed here. And when you look at, at the kicking game, um, Hauschka and the Seahawks were 17th in field goal percentage. He made 84%. He missed six. 